Hello and welcome to Goblet of Sweat, a sweaty Harry Potter podcast. I'm your sweaty host, Hannah. And I'm your sweaty host, Charlie. We're two very sweaty 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added sweat and sweat. In today's sweaty episode, we'll be discussing chapters 29 and 30 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Sweat. (laughs) So... Get a cup of sweat and drink along for this very sweaty episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hi, Hannah. Do you want to sound more enthusiastic? No. I don't have it in me. It's so hot. It. I want to die. Guys, it's so hot in the UK. It is. Before any of you say... It's only I've I've converted however many degrees you said and it's not that hot. Okay, listen, listen to me right now, <laughs> motherfucker. We don't have aircons in our houses. They don't exist. They don't exist in the UK. We can't and, have a and fan also, on. Yeah, and also they don't exist. And everyone's always like, but just just get aircon. It would be relevant a couple of times a year. And yeah. people are like, really? No, si- no, no, seriously. This we get one week of this heat once a year, so it'd be bad for the environment. We're not doing it. We don't have aircon. We can't have a fan on during recording because you'd hear it. We tried opening the window there's people having a fucking barbecue outside so we can't have the window open and neil's having a shower so we can't have the door open so this room is 30 odd degrees and that is hot yeah when fuck off and don't tell us that your country's hotter i don't care it's fucking hot yeah for context it's currently 36 degrees celsius which is according to my phone 97 degrees fahrenheit uh but yeah bear in mind mind our flats are built to keep Heat, heat in. in and we have no way to make no way to make it colder so we took showers oh yeah we took showers <laughs> before recording we, we were like took ice cold showers yeah, before recording to pre-drink i very kindly had hannah and neil over for a barbecue in which i didn't have a barbecue didn't know how to barbecue and did absolutely no preparation uh so we did you put chopped vegetables <laughs> You don't like vegetables. So yeah, to summarise, we've been very, very hot all day and then we finally got to Hannah's and was just so hot and sweaty that we both took showers separately. separately. I know you like the thruple, but it's, it's not. It's not. It's not a thing. It's not. So basically, if you hear any background noises because we've had to open the window or because normally we soundproof the window with a blanket, but I'm not touching a blanket and putting it up near the window. So um, no. if you hear any noises, I don't care. It's hot. Don't tell me how hot your country is. I don't care. Right. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Yes. Chapter 29. No, we have many things to do before that. First, we have new patrons to welcome to Team Patreon. So a huge thank you to Tara. A massive thank you to Irina. A humongous thank you to Lindsay. Big thank you to Jason. A ginormous thank you to Free Tempest Oz. Massive thank you to Grey. A gigantic thank you to Maria. A humongous, uh, hum- <laughs> humongous, I can't talk, to Punkfish. And a supersonic thank you to Hayley. Thank you all so much for joining the Patreon and you now get access to all the benefits. We just, up- what was the latest bonus episode we uploaded? It was, it was advice. Oh yeah, we gave you guys advice. We gave our patrons really bad drunk advice. So if you ever want advice on your life issues, don't come to us. Actually seek proper help. Yeah, therapy is great. It's great. We've also selected our two favourite reviews from this month. Charlie, do you want to read yours? Yes. so mine is, Charlie is the best. Hannah is pretty good, but Charlie is awesome. And this is by Yes Am. Um, This is my favourite because... um, not happy. (laughs) I understand what's going on here. What's going on here is that we said we're only going to read two per episode and to try and make yours the best that we read. And this person has very smartly been like, if I compliment Charlie above Hannah... She will. Yes, I will. I and know it worked. So I, know. I would like reviews that compliment me because now I'm feeling self-conscious that I'm the worst host. You are. Well, my favourite review is from CVBGFDT who says this. it's a great podcast. It's their favourite podcast ever. They love it so much. They've listened to every episode three times. What? Well, thank you for pushing our listens up. That is, that is a lot of times to I listen to us. I can barely stand us even to proof listen let alone three times they say that we really brighten their day and it takes them back to the time where they read harry potter the first time and are you ready it's our favorite thing it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside Mm. i love that everyone puts that now because we say how much we love it 
It's so good. And this episode is also special because for the first time in a while, basically we were putting off any patrons who had unlocked the alcohol. alcohol. Basically, if you're a producer level patron, you get to pick up alcohol for one week. We've been putting that off for a while because we didn't want to do it separately. Yeah. Uh, but we're finally together again. Woo. Yay. So we are doing Samuel's request for a podcast alcohol. And he requested what would bellatrix lestrange drink at a bar great request love it love it we went on such a fucking quest to try and find black sambuca and when i say we we made neil do it yeah we made neil visit many shops he couldn't find it no but what we did find found find is cherry brandy liquor cherry brandy liquor so neil then googled cocktails and he found one that is three parts vodka and when i say three parts i mean three shots of vodka Mm -hmm. three shots of the cherry brandy liquor two Two, sorry two shots of the cherry brandy liquor and one shot of cointreau no campari campari and one part campari so um basically all alcohol on a little bit of lemon juice so essentially entirely spirit based let's see if bellatrix Uh, would like it that tastes like something that you would clean a floor with (laughs) quite like the cherry i can taste in it's it it's not bad it's just so alcoholic but do you know what it is what bellatrix would order isn't it, it? yeah like it is. this is really is it and by the way the color of it we'll post a picture wait take a photo yeah post, it kind post of looks, a picture we should take that picture <laughs> it kind of looks like like watered down blood so the yeah. color is perfect it's kind of a cherry um quite bitter taste and obviously extremely strong this is five portions of alcohol yeah portions what's a portion portions and also we've been on the pims all day oh yeah we drank an entire bottle of pims between the three of us do non-british people know what pims is i don't know tell us do you know what pims is if you don't tweet at us guessing what pims is mm. right should we get on yeah as I was saying, chapter 29, The, the dream. dream. So Harry, Ron and Hermione are discussing what happened in the owl- Owlery when they overhear Fred and George debating whether something is blackmail or not. Ron asks who they're blackmailing. Oh, the, the funny... I find it the funniest thing when they all talk at the same time when Fred and George come in the room. Like, for some reason, when I was a kid, you know, that there's like three lines where they're like, what are you doing? Sending a letter this time and each yeah. one of them is saying it at the same time and they're just else. like mutually we're not gonna ask it's just it, it for some reason it used to crack me up but um yeah so <laughs> they tell him beautifully to keep his nose out of it if he likes it the shape that he is yeah and then they make a joke about him becoming a prefect if he carries Aww, on as he is he which does. is just like butte yep yeah this is i think the first instance we've seen of fred and george disagreeing with each other mm. which is really interesting because this book is definitely the first one to start to separate them yeah. as characters the others it's never really mattered who said what this fred is on one side of the argument and george is on the other and fred is taking the bit of the like harder approach um and that continues throughout the books and it's nice to see them beginning to be separated. Yeah. It's it's good to see. So after all this, Fred and George send the letter uh, and Ron basically worries that they're blackmailing someone for money and that Fred and George will go to whatever lengths to get money. They'll break the law even to try to get money, which it's almost sets them up that they might be up to something like there's a lot of people being set up to be doing things in this book yeah this is like a really fun silly plot line where it's kind of like mysteriously throughout there and you're like is it is it connected but it's completely linked to it ends up being completely linked to the ludo bagman red herring which is the main red herring of the book but you would never put those two together yeah exactly which is quite like tasty yeah the entire way through you're like what is this is this a fun side plot or is this actual like connection yeah so there is another mention one last one i don't know if it's the last one i haven't got to the end of the book yeah one last mention of harry's watch in which it says that he took it off he took it off so he said he finally bothered to take it off because he had because it wasn't working and this now counts as the fourth mention of the broken watch it's so weird it's really weird i know that jk rowling can kind of like hyper focus on things but like this watch is i am absolutely convinced it's a drop plot line Mm. that she then never but then how could it be dropped if it now says he took it off like that would imply that whatever the watch is relevant to had to have already happened unless the plot line was gonna be he took it off and therefore he couldn't tell the time for a certain thing broken yeah i i don't know i yeah it just like it's really weird it's just like if it wasn't somehow relevant then 
why? why? Yeah, I really hope it was meant to be relevant to something. Yeah. I like to believe it was meant to be relevant to a plotline because otherwise it's just like, what are you doing? Because I love her attention to detail when it comes to all that kind of like minute magical stuff. Mm. But when it's just, like, really hyper-focusing on a fucking watch, you're just like, what? Yeah, to the point where, like, we've picked up on it this much. Yeah. So they go and see Mad-Eye Moody, and he says he saw no sign of Crouch in the grounds that night. But basically, as you know, this entire conversation is bullshit, but he says he saw no sign of Crouch. But what's quite clever is the manipulation he uses in this conversation. So he's obviously him as Crouch Jr. is quite worried about them catching on to things and them being so observant. So he's flattering them a lot. He tells Hermione that she has the really good aptitude to be an aura. He's like to all their theories, like, yeah, yeah, that could be right. So he's kind of buttering them up so that they will stop this. Mm. It's clever. It's very clever. Yeah. Do so harry ron hermione are practicing a lot of spells they are getting ready for the third task by just looking up and practicing as many spells as possible it's then divination harry opens a window because it's hot hey can i just sorry i'm getting notifications um someone on our discord i don't know who has changed their name to See bonk, 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 frog. Oh my god, the fucking frog thing. Uh, The frogs took over our Discord at one point. I don't know why everyone became a frog. It was a whole frog cult thing. It's divination. Harry opens a window because he's hot. Relatable. Big mood. Um, He falls asleep and begins to have a vision. Oh, no, yours made more sense. He's on the back of an owl. (laughs) I have a lot of questions about the perspective Harry sees his visions from. So why does he begin this vision riding the back of an owl? Is he the letter? Is he a mini-human or like a normal human? Because... Is he the owl? The comedic scene of this of just like normal sized Harry just like clinging onto the back of an owl. Yeah, no, it literally literally describes as he's riding the back of an owl. And Harry's visions are always from different perspectives. So the first one was from Frank's, the gardener's perspective, wasn't it? He saw it through his eyes. But this one is from a third person perspective who begins the journey on an owl is it just like a flea i don't know but then he sees it always from different perspectives like it's weird because yeah him and voldemort's minds are connected but why does it change we know voldemort can control it in the later books and he controls like harry seeing it through certain perspectives but this voldemort doesn't know at this point but maybe it's you know how sometimes your like dreams bleed into one Mm. to the fact that like you'll kind of change scenes in a dream and even kind of change dreams but it's kind of connected in like a really weird maybe this is that maybe like he's just riding on the back of an owl and then it goes into that's that would make yeah maybe yeah because i suppose it's all like a dream quality like it's all a bit because we don't know if this is happening in real time yeah or if voldemort is thinking back on it because if he's thinking back on it that might be a reason why it's seen from a third person perspective because voldemort is thinking about what happens Mm. it's just interesting so the vision is it's voldemort and wormtail and the owl brings news that someone is dead It was Wormtail's fault, whatever happened, but the blunder has been repaired because this person is now dead. So they're talking about Crouch, but Harry doesn't really realise this at this point. And Voldemort then tortures Wormtail. And at this point, Harry wakes up in pain on the floor. His scar is really, really hurting. And Harry makes the single best decision he ever makes in all seven books Mm -hmm. for the only time I can think he does it. Literally the only time he's ever, like, sensible. Yeah. He goes to Dumbledore's office. Can you think of another instance where he chooses to do this? No. It's so out of character. It's so out of character. I kind of dislike it. There's a point in the first book, I think, where they say, like, we have to go tell McGonagall about something. But this this is the most... It's just so sensible. Yeah. It's very unlike him. And it kind of backfires on him. So I can see why he mistrusts doing him because I didn't realise that the vision and the pensive thing were like back to back. We get two chapters of seeing things from other perspectives. They're, Mm. They're really mashed together. So he goes to Dumbledore's office. He guesses a password just by guessing sweets. Right, there's there's two flaws in the concept of Dumbledore's password. Number one, if students can't know it, 
then it leaves an issue where Dumbledore can't be accessed in an emergency. And I understand they have like a deputy headmistress, so and anyone can access McGonagall at any point. She doesn't have a password. You just can go see her in her office or her yeah. classroom. So I do understand that. But if she isn't there, there's a bit of an issue where Dumbledore can't be easily accessed unless he has some sort of like, he can see through the gargles to someone downstairs in case there's emergency. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. Because he does appear when Harry previously went to get him in the crouch situation. He does just appear at the door. So I imagine he can see through the gargoyles if someone is stuck outside in case mm. he needs to check something. But also Dumbledore keeps naming his password sweets. So it's bad security. As someone who's recently been hacked on my Deliveroo account, you know, it's bad security. Yeah. Is it because your your name, your password was just like Wagamamas? No. Wagamamas. <laughs> no. Um... But my password was the same on almost every single app. So don't do that, kids. Yeah, that's not ideal. She has now changed it, kids. Don't try and hack her. I've come up with a better password. But um, yeah, I got hacked recently and Dumbledore is really bad with his passwords is what I'm saying. So Harry manages to get upstairs by guessing the password and he hears Fudge, Dumbledore and Moody. So he decides the most sensible thing to do is eavesdrop. Yeah. That's what I would do. I don't know why I'm berating him. It it is what I would do in this situation. Also, just because it's really socially awkward, especially when you hear like the prime minister yeah you wouldn't just be like yo hi yo hi can i come in you think dumbledore would get like some sort of notification though when someone got past the password like a bing someone's outside yeah it should just be a system he could be doing anything exactly because that's his bedroom as well yeah i was gonna say does he sleep in there well not in the office but yeah i think his rooms are meant to be like up up and back behind yeah that's a bit Mm. Mm. yeah you wouldn't Mm. want just anyone walking in God, that drink is strong. Yeah. It yep. is very Bellatrixy, though. I'm feeling it. It's a it shame is. we don't have Bellatrix in these chapters. <gasps> no, we do! Oh! We do. We have the first ever Bellatrix mention. Oh, my God. Samuel, the timing on this. Yeah, accidentally, because it would have been a lot sooner. Oh, you meant you messaged COVID. it ages ago. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so sorry, Samuel. This is going to be a while. It's going to be a while. But um, um, look what we did. Samuel, genius. this is the first this ever mention of Bellatrix. Definitely <laughs> intentional. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> this was actually intentional, me pushing you back. So... What he overhears is that Fudge refuses to believe that Crouch and Bertha's disappearance are linked. And he thinks that Madame Maxine might be linked to the attack on Crouch. There's an exciting mistake in my copy. Oh, fuck off. Fudge is called Crouch. So it says something like, Do you know what she is, Dumbledore? Said Crouch angrily. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a full-on calling the person full the wrong name. Fuck up. We yeah. are no way near the um, the very exciting mistake in my copy in some of the final chapters, which I will go into detail about. Yeah. I don't know if you know about this. Oh, God. No, I don't. Save it. It's exciting! And then Moody, with his magical eye, tells him that Harry's there. Sorry, I was drinking. Yes, he dobs him in. Dobs him in. And that's the end of the chapter. It's a pretty short one. Yeah. So that's I... fine, because chapter 30 is long. It's so long. So long. Harry enters. What's the name of the chapter, Charlie? I didn't write it down. It's called the pensive. The pensive. Or the pensive. 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 If we were French. Pensive. It's definitely pensive. It's pensive. Yeah. So Harry enters and he points out that Madame Maxine would have a job hiding. Love it. Beautiful. Harry, Harry has no filter sometimes, but, especially with senior people. It's kind yeah. of... Can you imagine? Like, I know we hate Boris Johnson, but I still can't imagine being this fucking sassy to the prime minister. Oh, I think I would. Yeah, probably at this point, but just like he's so sassy. Yeah, but like I don't know, like it's a good fucking point. Mm, it is. Like, and it's just like Harry, he's an idiot, but I feel like he's quite good at like just seeing past bigotry and just it's like the only time he's logical and rational is when it's just like in terms of bigotry. Yeah, like he's ugh. just like no, shut up. Yeah. So Dumbledore leaves Harry in the office saying they have to go do a walk of the grounds of where Crouch disappeared. He said they won't be long. It's a 10 minute walk to the grounds, a 10 minute walk back. And this observing if Crouch has come all the way is going to take at least 20 minutes. So I don't understand Dumbledore's concept of like, we won't be very long. It's yeah. at least 40 minutes at a minimum. I would imagine an hour for the whole thing. Yeah. It makes no sense. And he's just like, just stay here. It's like, and do what? Just stare at your bird? Like, at least give him a book or, or tell him to go to the library. I don't know. Tell yeah. him you'll find him in the library. It's just really weird. It's, the Dumbledore's like, yeah. he says I won't be long. That they're going to be 10 minutes. But we know perfectly well from a previous chapter, it's a 10 minute walk from the office to the grounds. Yeah, it literally makes no sense. Like, just 
Yeah. Well, this is why... So I have a few notes on this. So he sees a light reflecting on something. He goes and looks and it's a cabinet. So... And it's got this bowl of liquid in. So this is all like an extremely convenient setup, basically, for Harry to learn some plot that we need to know before the end of the book. We're getting to the climax of the book. Harry needs to know some stuff. This was kind of put in in a cool way, but so that Harry can learn this information. But part of me thinks the way Dumbledore left him and the way the cupboard, the cabinet was left ajar and the, what we know about Dumbledore, was this intentional? I don't think so, because he didn't know Harry was coming. But did he? No, he didn't. Did he? He didn't. Didn't he? No, he didn't. Did he? He didn't. Didn't he? He didn't know Harry was going to have that didn't vision. Didn't he? No. I don't know. There's just something about it that seems all a bit too... And what made me think it is when Harry comes out the pensieve, Dumbledore is not angry at him. He almost seems like he expected this to happen. Yeah, I think it's... I think that he definitely didn't, like, intentionally. Because at the end of... If you're leaving someone for, like, an hour in your office, they're going to look around. Yeah, they're going to poke around. Like, no one's not going to poke around. They're going to be bored. Uh, So I think that Dumbledore knew that he would see that but he didn't put it away i think if he was going to be bothered by it he would have purposely like put it away yeah um but i think he just left him there just like he's only going to be able to find out information that i don't know it's just how like not angry he was when he found harry and i know Dumbledore doesn't get angry about things but unless he's in the film yeah but he just seemed so like he expected harry to do that it just made me laugh like the pensive is such a cool idea and it's used in an amazing way in book six like i absolutely love the way it's used in book six but here in this book it's just used in a way like do we need to know some information six chapters before we wrap up this book yes we do let's go Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's very convenient it's very convenient the description of the liquid is amazing i want to touch it just from reading the book not even like Harry is so obsessed with wanting to touch it Mm. and I want to touch it just from reading. So I totally understand where he's coming from. Harry gets sucked into his memory, which just, and it's really well explained for the sake of the plot, where it's just like, these are the recent memories that Dumbledore had been going through, blah, Mm. blah, blah. But that's very convenient because had it not been for that, he could have been sucked into any memory of Dumbledore's that was in there. You could use this for porn. This is what I was going to say. Of course you were. God, Harry was not sucked into a memory of young Dumbledore getting railed by Grindelwald. Railed. Nice. Thank you for that use of language. (laughs) It's just the deadpan way you looked at me as you said it. Um, Yeah, no, you could definitely use Pensy for porn, couldn't you? uh, Honestly, I wish because... You wish you could. (laughs) I don't know. There's certain, like, encounters that, like, if I could watch that from, like, a third party. What if you watched it, though, and you were horrified with yourself? You were like, oh, my God, is that what I look like? Like, have you ever recorded yourself having sex? I'm not going to answer that on the podcast. So that's a yes. <laughs> yeah, not as good as you think it's going to be. never as good as you but think it's going to be. But it's more that there's just like particular encounters where I'm just like, it. yeah, I would want to relive and watch that. Or mm, So yeah. this is, but this is one of the questions I have about the Pensieve. And this is again, like these two chapters are weirdly similar. If these are memories, why are they being viewed from a third person perspective? I don't know, because it's also never answered if it's your memory, do you see it from your perspective? Right. Or is it just because Harry's coming into it as a third person? So I had a hell of a lot of notes about this, because as we know, both from just knowing things. Memories are incredibly subjective to you personally. So your remembering of a situation can be completely different. This is proven by science, yeah. especially how old the memory is. You can alter your own memory. The books do, do go into this slightly in book six, but they more go into it in a intentionally destroying a memory mm. kind of way rather than just the natural progression of you remembering situations yeah. differently. Which we'll talk about it at the time, but I've always found it quite interesting because the way that they talk about it is, is as if you've destroyed it with magic. However, the reality is is that you can just do that to your memories. Yeah. If you're that indeniable, in, in indeniable. <laughs> about something, you just alter the memory. Exactly. It's not, but it's always phrased as if you did something magically. But it doesn't anyway. always also have to be something bad like we both everyone does that with memories you you alter it based on your current viewpoint it's just it's just what you do and like it's literally proven that 
people remember things they don't actually have memories of their early childhood they're literally remembering photographs they've seen and the situation and based people on the retelling photograph. it to them yeah and so memory is something completely subjective so why does the pensive show you a third person perspective what looks like a completely yeah. objective memory it looks like film it looks like this moment was filmed watch this film and I think it would be more interesting, honestly. I mean, it's difficult to get into the books and how in detail they are, but if you're going to do this memory potion, I honestly think it would be more interesting if you had this thing where nothing that you see in this potion can be trusted. You can use it for help, but, but nothing can be trusted. But also what we have later on with Slughorn's memory implies that that's how it is. Mm. But then why is it viewed from a third person perspective? Maybe it's just because it's Harry coming into it and the potion so knows that he doesn't fit in there. It's not like, you know, maybe if Dumbledore goes back into it, he, he does see it. For it. Himself. But then that's that really interesting because, because Harry never looks at his own memories. But then also Harry sees, Dumbledore. sees the two Dumbledores. So yeah, it's really, we don't know if this is a true memory or not. Because like, you would never see yourself in a memory. You would only see the memory for your, yeah. because that's why photographs are fake memories. Because when you, when I remember old photographs that I have memories of, I know it's not a memory because I'm seeing it from the angle the photo was taken, which means it's not a memory. Yeah. It's it's made up. But I even have ones where I haven't seen a photo of it. It's fully made up. Like from I, stories. I have the most vivid but not even from stories sometimes just fully made up i've got mm. the most vivid memory of being in primary school in the school dinner line with two um boys that were like uh like family friends mm. uh they didn't go to primary school with me they lived to the other side of the country but i have the most vivid memory of being in primary school in the school dinner line with them so weird and it's just not true i just think this memory potion opens a lot of questions that I would find so interesting to be answered. Like I was watching an episode, of, I was watching an episode of something the other day where they, they literally did an episode where it was the same scene viewed over and over again from different people's memories. I know it's been done so much in no, TV. No, no, I love that trope. I love that trope. I no, love it. I love that trope. However much it's done, I think it's fascinating, but I fucking love that trope. And I think the pensive opens up a really interesting discussion for that trope, but someone goes the way Do I you know what in book the, uh, six best example of this trope is oh no is it really Doctor Who Game of Thrones no, Star Wars no have you ever seen the film I already know you haven't because you've not seen Hoodwinked no <laughs> oh man it's so bad but it has this trope I'm gonna go watch it, it it's not even from memory it's just from like different people's uh, I guess memory because it's something that happened but like in the it's like right after it happens yeah. so it's not really memories as much as like different people's ang angles or something uh, but it's an animated film okay. and it is quite old but the graphics make it seem far older than it is it is not good brilliant um, but yeah it's basically uh, like fairy tale cartoon characters um, and it's based in a world where um, there's Little Red Riding Hood basically and then her grandma and then the wolf uh, that breaks in blah 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 and it's basically going through and there is this bandit that is stealing all the recipes so little red riding hoods hoods grandma has recipes blah 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 someone is stealing all these recipes and then there's the, the wolf and blah 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 and it's basically going through and retelling all of the different stories of that day from all of these different cartoon mm. characters uh recollections and this sounds so bad it is one of the goddamn funniest films i've ever seen it is iconic it is impossible to get a copy no. of Oh, it sounds great. It's honestly iconic. This is such a tangent, but please, if oh, you have it. seen the film Hoodwinked, please tweet me because it's batshit. And also, there are musical numbers in it. Brilliant. <laughs> no, but also, if you guys know any other like films or episodes of TV shows that are based on this concept of like remembering things from different perspectives, I just love it. So just yeah. tell us. Please give us all the tropes. I'm really, I'm now really fascinated. I can't wait to read book six because I haven't read it in a few years. And from what I remember, it seems like magical tampering, but I'm now wondering if it's... It always to seemed me, like magical tampering when I read it. They always phrase it in the book as magical temper tampering, but to me that's never made sense. Because it said, I because tamp he tampered it, but badly, which implies that it was intentional magical tampering. Exactly, but I've always interpreted that as just him kind of forcing mm. himself to change the memory. Anyway. Because you can force yourself to change any memory so yeah i just find it really confusing that we see dumbledore from a third perspective but that's just the way it goes so yeah, yeah. so harry sees carcross trial which begs the question why was dumbledore there 
Dumbledore was a member of the Wizigamot. What does that mean? He is basically a member of the... So what it sounds like is the Wizarding World don't have a changing jury. They have a permanent jury. Ick. Gross. Wrong. Maybe they do. Maybe they have a jury and a permanent... But we know it from book five that Dumbledore is stripped of his title of, like, high level of the Wizigamot. It yeah. mentions it. So basically he's a member of the sentencing no they don't have a jury because they all raise their hands and say i or nay to things so basically it's a select people it's select people but from then the they do world. have jury because later on it says that they're all like fangirling over ludo bagman yeah but they're still select people from the wizarding world and there's like 200 of them they don't have a jury which is so bad it's That's... so bad this is why things are corrupt this is why you should have independent juries but yeah dumbledore is a member of the wizard Okay, that's fair. So Carcross gives a bunch of names to basically try and get himself out of prison, yep. including Snape's, which Dumbledore defends. But this is, I wrote, this is brand new information. Yeah. We, I I, forget, I, I very much forget what we do and don't know at this point from exactly. a new reader, but we do not know at this point that Snape was a Death Eater. I know, and we just, there's no way to appreciate that because we're just like, well, yeah. And also, yeah. it's just from what a shitbag he, he is, you just kind of like, you're like, yeah. But I guess if you were reading this for the first time, it would be like, oh, yeah. But Dumbledore says before the fall of Voldemort, he became spy for the other side, Mm. which is interesting. So the memory dissolves. I honestly, I've said it before. I honestly, I hate the film, prefer the way the film does this. And it makes no sense. No sense that Crouch Jr. would be there. No, but I prefer it. I'm Wait, sorry? you prefer the way Carcroft names Crouch Jr.? Yeah. It's a clever way to combine all the scenes. It is. Like, it's, it's a clever shortening, actually. It really is. And I think it makes little sense that he's in the room. I, I don't agree with that part, but I think him being named in part of Carcroft's things... That's a good makes, twist. It makes more sense, and it lets you see the character's reactions, as opposed to in this book, it's just like, and then it's his trial. And it does, but I suppose their crime is so, like, heinous. It's not a question of, like, naming people who are undercover. It's like, they did this disgusting thing. But then again, it's not actually relevant that Crouch was part of the Longbottom's torture. It's relevant that Bellatrix was. It's very, yeah. very relevant to the plot that we know that Bellatrix was the torture of the Longbottom's. But it's not actually at all relevant to the plot that Crouch... It's a really good point. It's not relevant to the plot that Crouch was one of the Longbottom's yeah. torturers. It's only relevant that he was a Death Eater. And also, you could have... Carcroft go, I know who tortured the Longbottoms and have them all be like, this is brand new information and then have him name. So Carcroft's trial was, no, it was all after the fall of Voldemort. You have a good point. Yeah. Actually, yeah, no, you're right. Because it it, it never comes into the plot that Crouch was bothered about torturing the Longbottoms apart from how horrific it is that he uses Neville to plant the book. I just... Mm, Yeah, I see your point. It's a good twist. That way you get to see Crouch's reaction, whereas we never get to see that. We only see the sentencing and it's so random. It's just out of nowhere that he's just like bought in. it's the kind of twist that works brilliantly on screen, but isn't that necessary in a book? It's not, but I... I still would have liked to see Crouch's reaction because I think the reaction that you see when someone's had time to adjust to some information Mm. and decide what is the best, especially for a politician, decide what the best manoeuvre is for them is very different to the reaction you would see on them receiving that information. And I think that that would have added to Crouch's character, which actually... I want to talk about Crouch's character. And you know what I'm going to talk about. about. No, um, I, don't. I completely forgot. No, you do. Oh, yeah, you do. I do. Yeah. You do. Um, I do. I don't know, guys. There's so much vodka <laughs> in this drink. Yeah. I came up with a theory, actually, when I was talking to the Discord about this, actually. And we were kind of talking about Crouch's character and about how he treats his son. And we were kind of talking about the fact that it doesn't really make sense, which is when I kind of came up with this slightly shit theory but I want to talk about it Um, because something that we were saying is really unrealistic is the fact that the whistling community judges Crouch for being really committed to his career and neglecting his son and I was just like this just doesn't make sense for a male character I've never met a man in real life who's been no I have but like men are so less judged by that it literally it doesn't make sense like yeah. it doesn't make sense for this to be a male character that's judged Especially for neglecting his son. Especially because, as far as we know, his mother doesn't work in his home. That might not be the case, but 
as far as the information in the text is given, his mother does not have a job, so therefore is home. Therefore, although he has a more absent father, he does have a present parent. Yeah. But, yeah, so then I was thinking about it and I was like, this would make more sense if Crouch was trans. Mm. So that when um, they were at the height of their political career, they were kind of, you know, out publicly as a woman. And then that's why they get judged for their reaction towards, you know, not properly parenting their son and for being such a hard prosecutor because men just don't get judged for that. So that makes a lot more sense if Crouch was, you know, living as a woman at that time and then later on transitioned. Mm. You know, once that kind of public focus left a bit, then, you know, decided to live themselves as they are and transitioned to be a man. So my own personal headcanon now is that Crouch is transgender. I like it. I think it's cool. I think it's a really, I think it's a really interesting point that we didn't pick up on that Crouch is judged for being an absentee father, but... That is not a common judgment to make. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Especially in politics or business. Oh God, especially in politics. Boris Johnson. Can we just can we just talk about how Boris Johnson many chi- How many children? At least seven that are publicised. We actually don't know how many children Boris Johnson has. It's it's five legitimate, but there's definitely at least two more. And he has had three wives, but he is not judged for leaving those wives, for abandoning those Wasn't children. Wasn't his last wife ill when Can't he she had left? Cancer. She had serious... Yeah. She had cancer and he left her for his mistress. mistress. His young Very mistress. young. Very young mistress, who he's now got pregnant. Bear in mind, his oldest children are our age. Christ. Our age. And Could he's you just imagine had if you were baby. dating someone and then just found out that their dad was Boris Johnson? Oh, they're probably some of them are probably nice people the illegitimate ones are probably nice people because he's but like dick. imagine having to meet your boyfriend's parents and then and it's then... Boris Johnson would I just throw food in him I don't know anyway but like but Boris Johnson is ne- he's judged by us but he's never judged in the media in the press no. by other senior people for you being don't hear an about absentee it. father if it wasn't for social media I would not know no I wouldn't know I would never know that he had that many wives and children and he's never judged for the way he has raised those children for the way he has gone through his job but he has been a shithead to his family yeah so it makes no sense that Crouch as a man mm. would be judged for those things so my headcanon is that Crouch is trans I like it yeah so, so but the next trial is Luda Backman's Rita Skeeter is there which is an important note and also kind of somewhat dissolves our want of her being in her 20s because she can't have been when this yeah. is on but there's ways to get around that like it could have been her supervisor that told her like I still really want her to be in her 20s I think it would have made a better character yeah, I do so Backman is in trial for passing information on to the Death Eaters he insists that he didn't know that the Death Eater he passed it onto was Rookwood who we know from the previous trial even most of the ministry had no idea he was a double agent until that point so this can only be a few months later so from what we know about Ludo I think it's perfectly reasonable to believe that although he's an idiot and although he's slimy he was in no way affiliated with the Death Eaters. Yeah. Um, one really key note that I had down here is that Crouch actually mentions... He's trying to, like, fully just skip the jury bit and sentence him. Crouch um, crazy. Yeah, which also is annoying because it's like, okay, yeah, fair enough. He's got a trial. And it's which, also fair enough that most of the jury fangirl over him, which gets him no sentence, which, if he was guilty, still yeah. would have applied. But, like, it's very telling that, like, Sirius Black got no trial and then Ludo, Ludo Bagman, Bagman did, yeah. Did. But he got a trial, but he also didn't get any evidence presented. It's literally so, Crouch, Crouch so th- being like... No, so there's a key word here. This is the sentencing. What Dumbledore is doing here, he's watching the three sentencings. He's not watching the trials. But is there any difference? Yes. Because... Yes. I know, no, I know there is in the real world. No, the way... So the way it's mentioned, I, I did think this. And there's a line that made me realise that it isn't it said you're here for the sentencing we've heard the evidence against you okay which implies there previously was a trial so Dumbledore has chosen to just remember these three sentencings but But yeah it does imply like a lack of trial yeah but the key part that I picked up on was that Crouch because Crouch has tried to jump full into sentencing him without actually waiting to hear from the jury um and he like mentions like a length a term in prison off and then he kind of gets cut off because they're like a dude 
let us actually yeah um which does imply because we were wondering i think last episode or the one before that about if there's actually because you never hear about someone going into azkaban for x amount of time and coming out yeah but, which they ludo would have had he wouldn't have had a life so there clearly is a they can do shorter time periods yeah but yeah then the jury basically are just like oh like we vote to free him and also then they could congratulate him on his last quidditch win which is just white male privilege yeah it is like although i truly believe ludo was not a death eater he was he's just a slimy idiot it is white male privilege here and he's just like oh thank you i'm the beater like no one's impartial in this situation but then again i just watched i finally watched the people versus oj simpson Mm. and it's a really good example of how with a famous person there can be no impartial jury it's impossible to have an impartial jury with a famous person because everyone already has beliefs about him have you watched the people versus oj simpson yeah so good Mm -hmm. oh my god David Schwimmer in it is amazing. Like, I knew he was a decent actor from Friends, but... Yeah. My God. Yeah. He's so good. It's, like, nice... Because his acting, where it really stood out in Friends, was always, like, the comedic stuff. Like, he's such a good comedic actor. So to see him in that doing, like, non-comedic acting is like, oh. Oh, wow. Dimensions. Yeah. And it's cool to see him play, like, Bob Kardashian. Like, it's a... It's, like, a good... It's an interesting role for him. Like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's the third memory, and the atmosphere is completely different to the last one. It's tense, and a woman can be heard crying. Four people enter, and it's our first intro to Bellatrix. Cheers! Cheers! Are you enjoying this? Drink? It's so alcoholic. So we have to finish it before the end. Of my the question is: Okay, good that they got a trial. Well Progress. Done. Uh, but why was it together? This should be tried separately dramatic effect just convenience for the plot line really you would never try people together no not not in this situation no i know i know you would because also like all four of them weren't doing cruciatus at the same time so they all need different sentencing like you never even in cases of group crime like gang crime you do not try everyone together no and like i guess at least it's not like wizarding lawyers seem to exist but yikes yeah yikes, so yikes. it's bellatrix and a teenager and two other people who aren't important um much like bellatrix's husband constantly he's not important yeah um the teenager says father which is when we realize this is crouch's son we still don't know his name is why was crouch allowed to try him again in uk law a judge isn't allowed to rule if they have any connection to the people accused and i mean connection as in if that's their hairdresser yeah they are not allowed to rule and also like judges are separate to politicians you don't have the politicians judging people judges are lawyers oh the the wizarding world is just like so they are accused of capturing frank and alice longbottom i'm gonna go into the longbottom stuff when harry asks about it because at this point harry is just absorbing information They're accused of torturing them for info into Voldemort's whereabouts. So the teenage boy is constantly screaming, which really made me question things because I I kind of remember when I first read this book that I believed that Crouch's son was innocent up until the point where he's revealed, obviously. So the boy's screaming and screaming and screaming, saying, Father, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I didn't know. Is he a really evil manipulator? Is he trying to get back at his dad and make him look bad in front of the ministry? Is he genuine and he only got turned evil whilst in Azkaban? I think he's a sociopath. I think, if anything, his constant screaming throughout this makes me more sure that he was part of it. And I I definitely think that this is open to interpretation, but my personal thing is that, like, I just think those people that are the best at being like, oh my God, no, I'm so innocent, it wasn't me. Yeah. like the baddies reading it back when you know it's definitely him it's like it it's too much but i think on the first read yeah true and if i was looking at this from a first time reader i'd be like no no he's innocent yeah this is also the first time we learned that it was the long bottoms they attacked yeah i know Mm. so they're sentenced to life which in the wizarding world actually means life which as a child is something that always confused me that life doesn't mean life but Mm. That's a whole other conversation. The son screams for his mother. It's actually really distressing to read. Like, even if you believe he's guilty, it's really horrible 
yeah. to read through. Um, and then suddenly the real Dumbledore is there and it's time to go, which leads me to my question that I've had since first reading the Harry Potter books. How do you get out of the pensieve? You just yeet. What is yeet, Charlie? You just yeet yourself out. Harry never leaves a pensive himself. Even in book seven, he just like wakes up face down on the carpet of Dumbledore's office. We don't actually know how he left. Dumbledore takes him under the elbow in this one and he does that constantly in book six. How do you leave? Is it one of those things where if you think too much about the fact you're in a dream that you wake up? I don't know because Dumbledore literally pulls him. I've got no clue. I've got no clue, but it's always annoyed me. So Dumbledore is very not angry and he's then goes on to explain what a pensive is and what the thoughts are mm-hmm. and harry says he doesn't know the feeling of what too many thoughts in your brain are which i'm like how we, but no but we know harry we know we do. we know we see this from your point we know oh i suppose harry is a dumb bitch yeah but i know what that feeling's like please take my thoughts out of my brain it would be so what nice. if you okay so it's explicitly says the pensive doesn't just take out memories, it takes out thoughts. What if you took out your like fake thoughts? Like, you know, those thoughts yeah. that we discuss sometimes where we like. So yeah. irrational. So irrational and make up whole situations. Then I message you like, Charlie, I've made it this entire situation where this happened at work and you're like, stop it. Yeah. What if I took that out and put it in the pensive? What would it look like? I don't know. It couldn't be a memory. It's very confusing. It's very confusing. Um, but Harry's a dumb bitch. Dumbledore then, Dumbledore then starts drawing memories and thoughts in front of Harry and he draws one of Snape where so this is a bit weird where people start coming out the potion or you start looking into their faces there's a lot of different ways that this can work and Snape says it's coming back stronger than ever Karkaros too why would Dumbledore show this in front of Harry yeah it's weird I don't know he's just a stirrer he is like I don't know I think he likes to test Harry and see Harry's potential because he knows what's ahead of him um, so I think that he does bits like this on purpose to try and see. It is know. definitely on purpose. It's really irresponsible. You, it's really irresponsible to pull out a memory of Snape and put it in front of Harry. Yeah. So then a girl rises out the potion telling tales and rumours like it's a recounting a previous memory and we realise it's Bertha. Harry finally tells Dumbledore about the vision and Dumbledore seems very calm and he keeps just adding thoughts to the pensive. He doesn't say anything about the vision Harry had in the previous chapter. He's just adding thoughts to the pensive. Dumbledore then says a theory about Harry's scar because Harry asks, why is this happening? Why Mm. am I having visions? And he says that his scar hurts when Voldemort is near or Voldemort is particularly angry and that it's because the curse that fails connects them and the scar isn't any regular scar. So this is... At this point, Dumbledore knows about the Horcruxes and he is choosing to give Harry a limited amount of information. A titbit. A titbit. And it's very interesting reading it knowing that Dumbledore knows everything at this point and is refusing to give it to Harry. Like, yeah. It's interesting or reading what he, he knows chooses. at least. Yes. Yeah. I will constantly be reminded of that line, like you were raising him for a pig for slaughter. Yeah trying to think about this is why i love dumbledore's character yeah the information that dumbledore chose to give him it was only what he felt he could get away with the most he could get away with at the time yeah so harry was asking a direct question so dumbledore had to answer and said there's a connection (laughs) dumbledore says that voldemort is probably getting stronger the disappearances including the muggle frank bryce are very similar to what happened 20 years ago 10 years ago, whenever it was. We have two Franks coming up really close together in this chapter, so I got a bit confused, but Harry then asks if Frank and Alice Longbottom are Neville's parents. And Dumbledore seems really shocked, like genuinely shocked that Neville has never told Harry or anyone about why he lives with his grandmother. And at this point, it just got really sad. (laughs) Yeah. But also it's like, you kind of wonder why, but then you actually think about how close Neville is to people. He's not... If you kind of think Harry, Ron, and then like Dean and Seamus, he's just kind of the fifth wheel. He is always like the fifth wheel. And it's not like any of those four dislike him or don't get on with him. They are always reasonably welcoming to him. He'll always sit with them, but he's not close. He's not their bestie. Yeah. So, but it's sad that Dumbledore thinks that Neville has told them. Yeah. Because what I realised is this case, this trial would have been really really highly publicized at the time so most adults know about neville's parentage it's just the kids that don't it's also just really sad from a reader's perspective to realize 
a bit more about Neville's background. Like, it's a very grown-up storyline. Yeah. Especially when, because Dumbledore then confirms that it's Neville's parents and says they are insane and they do not recognise Neville. It's really... This is unbelievably sad. This is really horrible. It's really, really shocking to the reader and this is where the book... I mean, it happens in the next few chapters, but this is where the book really starts to turn a corner into adult literature rather than... Yeah. Children's literature. And Harry feels terrible that he never asked Neville. And I think this is one of the first times we've ever actually seen sympathy from Harry. Yeah. He's a psychopath. He doesn't show sympathy very often. No. And also just like him kind of being like, oh shit, other people exist. Yeah, I know. Literally. And I'm not the only one with the tragic backstory. Literally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Harry asks about Bagman and Snape. Dumbledore confirms that Bagman's never been confused again accused again and confirms that Snape switched sides. Harry asks what made Dumbledore believe Snape mm-hmm. switched sides and Dumbledore says that's private. Throughout the chapter there's mul- multiple mentions of Dumbledore looking old which I thought was really interesting to bring into this chapter because it's basically the beginning of the storyline of his fallibility. Yeah. Like up until this point Dumbledore although old has been this like ageless constant source of knowledge and energy and in this chapter there's like at least three mentions of Dumbledore looking old and tired and I think it's really setting up that what's about to happen in the next two books is Dumbledore is just a man yeah and he is not a god that Harry thinks he is mm-hmm. and that's the end of the chapter that is uh, we have what a question you, yeah but what did you think of these chapters yeah it's very much like transitional into the next part of the book where shit really starts to go down and and I think it is interesting the chapters that we see here with what we then learn later on about what Dumbledore's actually thinking at the time mm. they're kind of those chapters like you only really learn how important they are later on they're one of those chapters which I would really love to read like an excerpt from Dumbledore's perspective yeah like I would really love a short book of key excerpts from the original books from Dumbledore's perspective. Mm -hmm. So we have a question. If you are a $10 or above patron, you get to ask this question at the end of the episode. This question comes from the British Nikita. Yay! Yay! She says, what would your animagus forms be and how would you use its abilities to change your day-to-day life? In brackets. In this scenario, I'm assuming that you don't have any other magical abilities and you have to keep it hidden from most people, so no using it to get famous. Day-to-day life. Like, there's a limited amount of animals you can become in London. <laughs> yeah. because I Like, at the end of the day, there's, like, four animals. Yeah, because I would say in kind of what, like, animal I love, uh, I would say a polar bear, but that's just going to be wildly impractical Yeah, my favourite animal is a giraffe, but... That's not gonna work. Yeah. I think mine would have to be a cat because it's my second favourite. I how the would advantages I would be um I would flirt to get food. I yeah. would flirt to get love. belly rubs. Belly rubs, attention. I love attention. And then I would turn back into a human and get more food. Exactly. Yeah. And also getting places quicker. I, I mean, there are only like a few animals you can turn into in London. Dog, cat, fox, squirrel. Squirrel. Rat. Carrot. <laughs> yes, the well, the well-known animal. I carrot. carrot. I was like, what? Parrot. Parrot. Yeah, parakeet. Uh, and rat. Yeah. Yeah, cat. I would just use it cat. for extra food. Yeah, same. But my dream animal would be a giraffe. Yeah, mine would be polar bear. But a giraffe would be helpful in no situations. Yeah, and exactly. neither would. No, a polar bear would be helpful for, like attacking people. If Voldemort was there, you could yeah. just rip his face That's off. That's true. Okay. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Veronica, Sandra, Samuel, Redbeard, Mutalib, Katie, Catherine, Nathan and Amanda. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.